0: Playing and fighting for each other, and no matter what happens, we just say, "What's next?"
1: That's all we do. Somebody turn on some damn music! You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big Twelve and beyond. We've got everything you need: money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be that day. Now here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro, the money line matadors, the casino cowboys, the parlay picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns, and those who take, you take, with the gambling gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been.
2: Welcome in to the... Gambling Gatchos, I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson, live in the Cardinals Sports Center studio. You could have geared up at Cardinals today and had some of the best barbecue in West Texas, if not the best, Reino Barbecue at Cardinals today. But if you're just going to Cardinals, you could gear up for Texas Tech baseball, Texas Tech football. You could gear up for the spring game. You could gear up for lots of things. Little League baseball, soccer, whatever it is. Gear up at Cardinals, Cardinals Sports Center. We also welcome you into another episode for the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football feed, content network, podcast network. We added some more schools this week. Well, we didn't, but the content network did. The Republic of Football has grown. Manifest Destiny, we're taking over. TCU has joined. It spreads. It spreads. All right, Texas Tech football going on. Uh, spring football going on. We had the pro day today. Um, I'll tell you what. I listened to an interview with Tyree Wilson. Uh, obviously, that was going on during my shows. I could not make it over there, but I listened to an interview with Tyree Wilson. He he wanted to do everything. Uh, he just had a, a procedures got stitches. He can't sweat in his sock, basically. So he couldn't do it. Uh, he wanted to do the vertical. He tried to talk him into letting him do the vertical. I'm sure his agent was over there saying, "No, dude, dude like you can't do it. Any- you haven't, you haven't really worked out in a while. You can't do anything." But he's he's fully cleared, so I'm sure he will start taking team visits within days once he gets those stitches out to uh, really clean up. And gear up for the draft, which is about a month away now, less than a month away. About just a month away? Exactly. Whatever it is. Um, Top 10 locked?
0: I think so. And his trajectory has been crazy, especially considering that he hasn't done Senior Bowl, Combine, Pro Day. That's something I think we addressed on the podcast was – uh, you and I were both bullish that his stock would rise. By how much? Hard to say, and and I guess we won't know until it's until he's picked. But the mock drafts have trended up because it was like, yeah, he's being mocked in the first round. Okay, he's he's a first rounder, and then it was like, oh, he's a top twenty guy. Like he's gonna be drafted somewhere in the teens, and then it was like, hey, he's going top ten in some of these mocks, and now he's top ten and practically all of them top five in most of them i think the highest he's gotten is four Um, some guys have him slotted ahead of will anderson from alabama so given that he hasn't been able to put on some incredible pro day or combine performance it's kind of insane that apparently his stock has risen this much and again none of this really matters unless he's actually picked that high um but anyway going back to my original point I think you and I were pretty certain that scouts were going to be like, okay, this dude is 6'6", 275 of just chiseled steel. His wingspan is insane. Um, He probably still hasn't even come close to his ceiling, like in terms of player development. And so I was confident his stock would rise from where he was initially mocked at the end of the college football season. But um, I did not think he was going to have a chance to go top five. So that apparent momentum – is pretty crazy and probably speaks to what some of these scouts are seeing on film and relaying to some of these industry experts that do the mock drafts. Um, he must really, really pop on film. Yeah. When
2: I knew once he pulled out of the senior bowl, which come to find out he couldn't have played or practiced or done anything anyways, but just not even going to be down there and around it. Um, that was the first moment I thought, well, maybe they just think he's an automatic and doesn't need to go down there and spend a week with the coaches. He can just go rehab or do whatever else and be available to to go to the Combine. And then, you know, still not available for the Combine, but goes down and does the interviews and whatever else. Um, then moves on to the Pro Day. And as you said, lots of mock drafts have him in the top five to seven. Do you have a team you would prefer him to land with that you think would be successful with?
0: I guess I have a couple thoughts on that. If if a good team trades up for him and he can immediately play for a team that, you know, is expected to be in the playoffs. um, Sure. Oh, my God, I would love that. Um, But but that's kind of what the Chiefs did with Mahomes. You know, he was a top 10 pick, but. The downside of being a top 10 pick if you're a quarterback is usually you're going to a team that sucks. That's why they have a top 10 pick. Right? Uh, he goes to this great situation with like a stable head coach, a great GM, good weapons, gets to develop for a year and then just plugs right in. Um, it's probably a little bit different with a defensive end. You know, I feel bad for guys like Trevor Lawrence. It's like, hey, congrats, you got drafted by Jacksonville. <laughs> right. Um, so that's like tough on a quarterback's first two or three years of development. Um, So it'd be cool if he got to go to a contender, which he's not going to do if he goes top five, top 10, unless somebody trades up. I think there would be some intrigue if he goes to um, the Seahawks and is paired with Jordan Brooks. Um, I think before Cliff Kingsbury was fired, there was some intrigue there if uh, the Cardinals might nab him. Um, Now, I think, at least from a Red Raider fan's perspective, that particular destination doesn't really do much for me. Oh,
2: please keep them out of Arizona. Yeah. That poverty <laughs> franchise.
0: Yeah. Um, hey, you said it, not me. Bunch of but, bums. But, hey, say what you need to say. Um, See, so yeah, I think Seahawks or if somebody trades up or maybe even a team that, like, wasn't as bad as their record showed last year and could make a jump if they get a free agent acquisition or two, Thinking like maybe the Colts, um, or like the Bears, I think are probably primed to be better than they. And like if some of these trade, if some of these teams trade up or or down, um, I don't really like to predict a specific team because guys can trade places where they're drafting. But uh, yeah, I think those would be a few that would maybe really kind of raise some eyebrows for me.
2: Lions, I think would be really good. I I really do think they're on the come up.
0: He'd be opposite, probably
2: um, Hutchinson. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Bears would be interesting. Just storied franchise and all that. Uh, The Raiders might be one of those teams in the top 10 where you kind of say, well, you know, they, they were bad last year, but they really got going at the end of the year. They got Jimmy G, winner. Mostly just Derek Carr, but has won where he's been. Um and then maybe the last team which i would hate personally but has a top 10 pick at number 10 i would just really hate it the philadelphia eagles now they're mocked offensive line a lot um and i i do think they're going to take a step back from you know super bowl contender just because of the free agents you lose and everything else after you're a super bowl team and they've lost a bunch um I do like Howie Roseman as an executive. I wish I didn't, uh, but they've done a good job, so we'll see. But I, I wouldn't like that, but it would be good for his career. I think the Eagles are a good destination.
0: But Eagles is probably, at least for you personally, that's like oh yeah, heartbreak warfare. You don't want him to go there? Nightmare. Yeah.
2: And I would want Terrence Steele to put him in the ground every time.
0: That that might be kind of fun. I don't think they ever overlapped. Maybe they were here. Twenty nineteen together. I don't remember. oh uh, yeah, twenty. But that well, would be 20, fun. Just
2: no, they weren't, because because twenty twenty was his first year.
0: You're right. You're They're right. Awesome. Um, but yeah, that that would be fun. NFC East, Texas Tech on Texas Tech. Um, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. I'm going to scoop a question from the mailbag. Somebody asked, besides Harry Wilson, who's maybe most likely to be drafted or who do we have our eye on? Um, There's no such thing as impossible, but I would be maybe a little surprised if somebody else were drafted. I think guys will get camp invites or anything, but let's say another Red Raider sneaks into the sixth or seventh round. Give me a name, maybe two, that you think is most likely to surprise some people on draft day.
2: Uh, um yeah uh, i th- I think Sir Roger Thompson impressed at the at the uh senior bowl I would be intrigued to see if he could get drafted maybe in the fifth you know way later sixth seventh round uh muddy water waters. Weston Wright, I think, will probably get an undrafted free agent deal pretty quickly. Creshawn Merriweather and Adrian Fry have played a lot of snaps at Texas Tech, but I just don't know that they are draftable. You know, as far as tangibles, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think some of it will depend on you know, certain measurables that come out. I don't know what Muddy Waters' 40 time is, but he's a guy that I think could sort of be viewed as a hybrid player in a lot of systems, you know, very similar to how he was used here. So I'm saying like, hey, we, we're not going to use you as a true safety, but if you were special teams, a nickel package guy, you know, we might be able to find a roster spot for you, or at least practice squad spot for you. So I think he's one... Kickers normally don't get drafted, but I think Trey Wolf might have a shot to go kick at at somebody's training camp and maybe have a shot to make a roster. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I had to say that somebody else is going to sneak up, I would say I'd probably go Sir Roderick Thompsons because I think there are some GMs that are vultures in the late rounds. they will take a running back that's like you know low risk at that juncture.
2: Yeah, and you look at his production.
0: Yeah, experienced guy. Um, Scores. He's right yeah. there on the
2: edge of desire.
0: Absolutely. And like, and who says that a guy like, like, like you said, I think Western, right. <laughs> um, when we talked to Jonah tolls last year, he said the NFL really values offensive linemen that have played a lot of snaps. Right. And like, even if maybe it wasn't the best film, if you started 42 games in college at, at O-line, the NFL usually feels like they can kind of work with that. And maybe you'll at least get a practice squad invite. So I think he's one that can maybe surprise some people too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you look at a guy like Terrence Steele, who has really developed into a a pretty good offensive lineman at the NFL level. He didn't really get to showcase what he was great at at Texas Tech. Um, He's actually a really good run blocker. And that's not something he did a ton uh, when he was here with Cliff or, you know, at the end of his career with Wells. But, you know, maybe that's one of those things where you get out of a, a fast paced system and you get into the NFL and you kind of can figure out. Had to move a little better. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's been a sort of strange recent run of years for Texas Tech in the draft because Patrick Mahomes top 10, Tyree Wilson about to be top 10, probably Jordan Brooks, first rounder. Uh, and then you've had some guys that, you know, they take a late round flyer. You haven't had a ton of just like third round, fourth round guys in the middle there and, To me, that's sort of the sign of a good college program. Maybe you don't have the elite guys like Alabama and Ohio State that are going first round, but um, if you've got dudes that are consistently going third, fourth, fifth, I guess like Ezukama would fit that. Um, Trying to think of some others. Zach McPherson. Yeah, Zach McPherson, great example. Um, I I think that'll be a sign. We won't see it immediately, but under Joey McGuire, three, four years from now, I think you'll have more total guys drafted even if – you don't have a Tyree Wilson or Patrick Mahomes type going top 10. And I think that'll be indicative of their ability to identify talent at the high school ranks and develop it in the college ranks. Um, So I'm curious to see if that trend sort of changes over the coming years.
2: I was on board with Joey and his recruiting before, um, you know, it really got going in the first couple of days, he got a recruit, you know, you finish, 38th after starting 75th when he got here last year. So I trusted the process, but you know, you also look at Baylor and when I really kind of was like, okay, this, this is going to be good was when Baylor had six or seven guys drafted. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what you want. You, you, just like you're talking about, you want six or seven guys drafted and moving on um, and to have that kind of skill and depth Because some of these guys aren't guys that are stars. They're just getting drafted because they're good athletes.
0: Well, and when you have multiple on your roster at the same time. Yes. So it it was great to have Ezukama, but I feel like defenses could have keyed in on him. But if you have Ezukama and then another guy going in the fourth round, like on the opposite side, or a running back that's going to go third or fourth round, a tight end that's going to go fourth or fifth round, like it's hard to stop all that at once. And same on the defensive side and say like, okay, they have Tyree Wilson. But we'll just double team him, chip him with a running back, and like you're still not gonna stop him. You can slow him down a little bit. But if you have that with, you know, a legit outside linebacker, another edge guy, an interior guy, it becomes a lot harder to stop. We say, okay, their defense has four guys that are gonna go between rounds three and six. You know, nobody elite that just is top ten like we would face if we were playing Ohio State. But that's I I think you're exactly right. I think that's the model that Baylor followed. I think Oklahoma State did that for a while. Um, And so I I think you'll see that you'll see the fruits of that three or four years from now.
2: Yeah. You'll see it in a new light.
0: Yeah. And good segue to some big 12 news. Brett Yormark is on an absolute roll. Um, The gravity of this latest development, the big 12 conference is going to have its own pro day slash combine next year. And, it's one of those things like it's not I – don't, I don't know if other conferences have this. I don't, I'm not familiar with it. It's I've, nothing totally earth-shattering.
2: I've never but seen it's it. One
0: of those, it's one of those things that just makes me wonder what in the hell were the former administration leadership doing? Because, like, I'm looking back on it now. Yormark has been so active, and we'll get to some of the other stuff that, that he's done. Um, but it's like, okay, we – you know, after we get back to 10 teams by adding TCU and West Virginia, pretty much do nothing for a decade other than they caved and added a conference championship game. But besides that, there was zero appetite to do anything creative, anything outside the box, anything to set yourself apart from another conference. And we'll talk about some of the other your mark moves, but this is just another one I go, well, this is great. Like maybe it doesn't increase your payout or anything. And I know money is the main concern that you're going to get left behind by the Big Ten and the SEC. But your commissioner is at least advocating for the players in the conference. And it's a recruiting tool for everybody, especially in the portal. Because Big 12 programs are exactly the kind of programs that can thrive from either a guy not getting much playing time at a power five or a guy who's killing it at FCS group of five. Maybe he only has one year of eligibility. Say, hey, man, come crush it for a year at Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Baylor. And then the Big 12 Conference is going to bring in NFL scouts from all 32 franchises, and they'll have eyes on you. And that's a unique recruiting pitch for this conference, and I think it's a brilliant move by your Mark. I see no downside, tons of upside.
2: And I know you'll have quarterbacks running and throwing in that, but if you could get, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes to come back and throw these guys for the for the pro day or something oh. like that, uh, have some NFL players come back and run routes for the quarterbacks, whatever it is, just to have that kind of continuity. Hey, Big 12 players are stars in the NFL, and they're going to come back and coach you up on what these scouts want to see. They did the 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 process. They did the, the combine process. You could do mock interviews. Um, you could do real interviews with scouts there, uh, personnel. And then you also can, you know, have an opportunity at the Texas Tech Pro Day. Let's say Weston Wright's trying to, to show what he has. You know, unless you're bringing in a bunch of other Texas Tech players, you can't do one one on ones and, and all this stuff at that kind of thing. You can do one on ones and, and everything else to show your skill with other Big 12 players who are trying to be in the draft. It's going to be a high level of competition. It's just going to be really good.
0: I think so. And we can move right to the next one that made news over the last couple of weeks, uh, not football related, but I think still worth talking about for the conference's visibility. He announces a partnership with Rucker Park, a famous basketball court, outdoor park in New York City that uh, is known to be kind of like a breeding grounds for young talent in New York City. Now, you're not going to play a real game there, of course, but they'll do exhibition games. They're doing, I think, like a youth camp for, I think, maybe middle school age, maybe elementary school age. And you know, let's face it, this conference, if they were doing this in Dallas or Kansas City, that'd be one thing. But to do it in the biggest metro in the country, a place where you otherwise have pretty limited visibility, like you don't have alumni bases out there, you're nowhere near any big 12 school like i guess west virginia would be the closest one um and i don't know if that's a long-term play like if they're trying to enhance visibility in new york city but again it's one of those i just i'd see no downside of it and i'm glad they're at least trying stuff that's a little bit outside the box um willing to put themselves out there and if, if it flops if like nobody cares nobody's interested okay then don't do it in two or three years try something different but the lack of apparent innovation and creativity from the former administration is now such a stark contrast to how Brett Yormark is running things. It's it's refreshing beyond words.
2: Yeah, and, you know, Yormark wants the Big 12 to spread like wildfire, and he's going to try to get it to coast to coast from New York, obviously, where you're going, all the way to potentially, let's say, San Diego or – somewhere else in California, maybe. So you have that breadth all the way across and it, you know, it, it should matter, but it does. You have that big 12 footprint in New York. That's going to be good. You, you have recruiting, you know, Marquise Noel from New York, lots of good basketball players in New York. You know what they're growing up watching the big East. Yeah. The big 10. And if you can get them, watching the big 12 or at least saying, Hey, that coach coached us in that thing this summer and you get two recruits out of it. Um, or you just see it on TV and it's a cool thing. It's younger, hipper, cooler. Uh, I just think you have that opportunity. Now the last, you keep mentioning Bullsby's a big old paper doll just folded at a whiff. Um, you have to see, that your mark is just, you've said it a couple times, innovative, but innovative in a way that makes sense. He's not just doing random stuff. You know, he's putting high dollar tickets on the front row instead of media and making 34% more money at the big 12 basketball tournament. Yep. Uh, there's one more thing I would like him to do that. I want to run by you and it's, it fits, but it doesn't fit, but I'm just gonna do it right here.
0: Well, before you get to that, I just want to add one more note. I think he's also thinking long term on some realignment stuff. And so, obviously, right now, the focus has primarily been on the Pac 12, the four corners, maybe adding Gonzaga. But this round is not, it's not like it's the last train home or something. Like there's going to be future rounds of realignment. If he's thinking basketball only additions, besides Gonzaga, I would be looking east. You know, if you're if you're going to go that route and you want UConn, Villanova, Georgetown, St. John's, Creighton, I know Creighton's not really east, but if you plant the flag in New York City and then five years from now you've got UConn, Villanova, Georgetown, St. John's, any combo of those four in your conference, if the ACC implodes in a decade and you can add Syracuse, Pitt, some schools like that kind of out toward the northeast, well, then you say, well, yeah, we've already got to – we've been doing this camp and uh, scrimmage in Rucker park the last five or 10 years. And then it makes more sense. And schools like that are probably more looking forward to inroads in the big 12 and thinking, okay, this is a better cultural fit than it would have been a decade ago. Cause the big 12 is out here. They're in New York. Um, so I think it makes sense. Maybe, maybe it doesn't make a ton of sense for like next summer when they're planning to do this, but it's something that could pay dividends five or 10 years down the road.
2: Yeah. And you know, People are putting their sons in those camps, daughters in those camps, and you just have to, you know, think of the future in that respect. Um, Officiating. I want the Big 12 to hire full-time officials. I know you do it in football, but there's no reason why, if Higgins is one of the best officials in college basketball, which people say that, I don't see it, But he shouldn't be doing whack games on a on a Tuesday, flying back to the Big Twelve to do a Wednesday game, flying to the ACC to do a Thursday game, flying back to the West Coast to do a Friday game. Have you seen screenshots of his schedule? Yes, it's ridiculous. And if if you can't hire, I don't know what would there at most five basketball games a week because there's ten teams, six if you go to twelve. Seven, if you go to fourteen, if you can't hire twenty-one officials full time, I, I don't know, I—I I, like that's not a full-time job for these guys, but you could at least lock them in, pay them enough to, or at least three crews, four crews, like have some Big Twelve crews that are doing the games of the week, and I—I yeah. I, I guess that's something that nobody else is doing, but if the Big Twelve could be on the forefront of some stuff, um,
0: well, you know that. It doesn't sound like Brett Yormark. Um, I don't think his idea is just, well, we're, we're going to go with the flow and do whatever everybody else is doing. Um, and So I, I would not be surprised at all if he looked into something like that. He's not just going to sit there and wait on the world to change. Like, he's going to make it happen and do it himself if he thinks it's a good idea. And, and I'd be all for full-time officials, especially in basketball, when they can do two or three a week, conceivably, and it, it commands that kind of pay. Right. I think it's a, a worthwhile expense that enhances your product. Cause honestly, and, and some of it is just fans being fans, but there is something to be said. Like I've gotten so frustrated watching college basketball thinking like, this is almost not legitimate because the officiating is so bad. Like, why would I invest time and emotion in this? And if he can avoid that, not, obviously that's a good thing.
2: You could do four full-time crews and you would still have to, to figure out some of it on Saturdays because everybody plays on Saturdays, but then you're having a mid, a midweek guys and that could go back and forth and then Saturday and then, you know, fill in the rest of the Saturday. I just, I don't, I don't understand why if you're claiming it's the best basketball conference, you have such poor officiating um, or at least inconsistent officiating. Right. Right. And, and you've you've had your mark talk about officiating. Um, allegedly, this is just something I heard, but uh, in the TCU game where it was more egregious than usual, uh, mm-hmm. that was like a crew that fed from the WAC or the Mountain West or something. And allegedly your mark was like, "Why, why are they feeding from the Mountain West? Why don't we get some guys who've been through it before? at the highest level. Like why, why are we not, why do we not have the best officials? So maybe that's that. And that's brand new for him. Cause that's like right. second month on the job stuff.
0: It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, another kind of similar segue. I was going to say the, the officiating deal is interesting. This is not something I ever thought about until, um learning a little bit more about sports betting doing this podcast with you but back in the day I think Tim Donaghy in the NBA actually shifted this but Sharps would get an edge based on you know the NBA would release who was officiating a game um and they started doing that I think only an hour before tip-off or 24 hours before tip-off I don't remember what the policy is so I I could maybe see that as a potential downside if they were saying like we're always going to have this select group of officials and that's pretty in the weeds. Like, I don't really know if that, I think that's really more of a detriment to people that wanna bet on the big 12, but I think that's a consideration of your mark. Um, and this is the segue I was getting to. The third bit of news, and I might be missing one just cause it feels like every day he announces something that is great. The big 12 is looking at selling certain data rights to several different bidders. And this can be used for, um, I think the main advantage is sports betting now the data is valuable for other reasons it might bring other bidders to the table one i'm happy that he's exploring an additional revenue stream because you need it two the fact that he's embracing something sports betting adjacent is so progressive um, based on where all of sports was 10 years ago where collegiate sports really still is today the fact that he's he seemingly has this fixation on Las Vegas as a city and that he's willing to kind of go this route and at least kind of embrace sports betting in some capacity, even if it's very tangential, I think is another great sign and another one of those things five or 10 years from now, if sports betting is legal in the vast majority of the big 12 footprint, I think your mark would probably be the commissioner most likely to capitalize on that before another power five conference, because he, at least in my estimation of him less than a year on the job, he has a vision for things like that and he can make it
1: happen.
2: You froze. Uh, He has the vision for that and that's something he can make happen. That's the last thing you said.
0: I don't remember what I said after that, but I think I was just trying to reiterate that the data rights um, bidding process, which I don't think a final deal has been reported on that. It could be financially valuable. And I think for a couple other reasons, it is another promising sign.
2: I'll be honest. I don't understand what what that data is. Um, But sure. Yes. Send that out. Is that like health data, speed data? Is it just analytics of what's actually going on? Is it EPA? Is it uh, tracking data from throws? Is
0: it who's I think running
2: it, the fastest? Like, what what is that data?
0: I'm not totally sure on the full extent of it, but I think it's basically more advanced than a box score and a lot of stuff that you can easily find publicly. And so, I'm pulling from a Sports Business Journal article. Um, It says, a league's data partner typically manages and distributes official statistics to media and fan sites. It remains to be seen if this Big 12 deal also will include the rights to sell data to sports betting services, but they are believed to be part of these negotiations. Those rights could drive up the financial value of the deal significantly. So far, only two conferences have struck data partnerships. Uh, The MAC has one, and surprisingly to me, the Pac-12 Um, but those arrangements did not include the ability to sell stats to sports betting services at the time. So if the Big 12 does this, and they do include a sports betting partner, um, it would be, I think, pretty precedent-setting in college athletics and could be extremely lucrative because if – I'm just making this up, but if, um, if MGM or Fandle or whoever had kind of the exclusive access to this, they would theoretically, if they had better data than everyone else, they would be the odds makers that might have an advantage over the others. Even if it's by half a point or something, if they've got a more complete set of data or more efficient, easier access to it, then it they could – if their advantage over the betting public is enhanced by that, then it could be financially lucrative for them, and they would hopefully pay the Big 12 a lot of money for it.
2: Well, they could set the market,
0: potentially. Right.
2: One more betting news. Did you see they're going to allow kiosks in NFL stadiums, potentially betting kiosks? I did not. That is going to be interesting. Obviously you have to have legalized on-site betting um, in the state. So that wouldn't be a, a ton, but to come off the suspension for Calvin Ridley and then to allow betting kiosks in the building just seems so off to me now money. It makes sense in um, sports. Gambling is not nearly as taboo as it was even three, five, seven years ago, for sure. But it just seems interesting in that respect. All right, so uh, let's get to the mailbag. But first, uh, do you want to go through a spotlight of one Texas Tech football player? Uh, we talked about Steve Linton at length last week. Uh, really excited by him. And we... I got a little tidbit that he has been really impressive at practice so far. Um, Is there anyone on the offense that you think transfer-wise could come in and be a really, really impactful guy, like visibly, not just like an offensive lineman?
0: Yes, but first, some breaking news. This is hot off the presses. Yours truly will be in Lubbock this weekend, in God's country, to partake in some Texas Tech baseball. But while I'm there, I've got a mini bucket list. I've got people to see, things to do, restaurants to eat at. And, of course, Rahino Barbecue tops that list. I will be, if they're not in Lubbock with the mobile food truck, I will be going out to Olten on Saturday for lunch. Would love to see you there. I'll give you a high five. Maybe buy you a jalapeno popper if you're lucky. We'll see. But if you haven't checked out Rehino Barbecue yet, you should do that. Order ahead because the lines are long. RehinoBBQ.com Ensure that your food is there when you arrive. And give them a follow on social. At Rehino Cannot wait to get back. And stuff my face with some meat, Rob. What was that? You, you'll, you'll see it on No Context. Don't worry.
2: No, I, I heard it. I just wanted you to say it again. Um... So a transfer that's going to make uh, make a splash?
0: I'm going with Dre McRae. And we alluded to him in our offensive preview. But I think one of the things – well, let me backtrack a little bit. I think the offensive line was probably your weakest position group on the offensive side last year. But besides that, at the skill positions, your most glaring deficiency was a guy that could really take the top off. Um, I've been I I started the rewatch of the twenty twenty two season this week, Rob, um, starting with Houston. And I think Fungie was supposed to be that guy, and I can't remember which game he got hurt. Um, but for a big chunk of the middle of the season you couldn't really use him in that in that way. But anyway, I think Dre McCray, I don't know if he's gonna play inside or outside, maybe if they're gonna move him around. By all accounts, his speed is next level. And so I think he's gonna be that guy that is a true deep threat and adds an element to the offense. Um you have his full collegiate I think tells uh, an additional story. And this also goes to coaching relationships. Kirk Bryant was at Austin P. Um Josh Cochran was at Austin P. Yep. And was Hamby at Austin P for a year before? Going to Western Kentucky, or am I making that up?
2: Uh, I don't – if he was, I don't think he overlapped with uh, Dray McCray.
0: Anyway, um, this is one of those ways where the portal comes in handy. Like, this happens in high school recruiting. If you don't get a guy and he transfers after a year, if you have a great relationship from him from high school, you can get him. If you bring in assistants that were at a group of five or FCS school, maybe – A year or two down the road, you can get one of their former players if you have a strong relationship with him. I think that's how we landed this guy, but go ahead and read me his career stats from Austin P.
2: So in two seasons, uh, played 11 games both seasons, 53 catches in 2021, 867 yards, eight touchdowns. In 2022, 76 receptions, 1,021 yards, nine touchdowns. Uh, In his freshman year, really broke out in the final three games going 137 with two touchdowns. And then against Tennessee tech in the final game of 2021 had seven catches for 237 yards and four touchdowns.
0: Yeah. So I, when I looked at him because he was young, obviously starting his career, maybe that's not his ceiling production wise when I narrowed down his last 14 games. So basically one full season, plus a game, you know, you play 13 if you make a bowl. So this is what he did in his last one season plus just a tiny bit. Last 14 games, he has 10 games with six or more receptions. He has three games out of those 14 with 10 or more receptions. Nine of those 14 games, he had 90-plus receiving yards. Eight games with one or more touchdowns. Four games with two or more touchdowns. And then you might say, well, this is at FCS. You know, How is that going to translate to the Power 5 level? Well, he does have three games versus FBS competition. Ole Miss, Alabama, and Western Kentucky, who, by the way, is no slouch in Conference USA. They've been one of the better group of five teams in the country. Here's what he did in those three games. 24 receptions, so eight per game, 269 yards. Let's call it quick math here. What, um, 70, 85 yards per game? two touchdowns so he's lining up against i mean alabama obviously really freaking good but ole miss let's call that a middle to upper half of the big 12 type team and he's more than holding his own and again this is when he is the guy that a defense like ole miss or western kentucky needs to key in on if you pair him next to miles price or loik fungi or jaron bradley and you have a strong run game and your quarterback can run well all of a sudden the defense can't dedicate two guys to him or always keep a safety over the top of him and he might really get loose. So moving up a level might actually enhance his ability to get open and not be keyed in on so much by opposing defenses.
2: Yeah, you hit on it right there. I think Dray McCray, what he does, not only does he open up the offense, but he helps every other weapon. Like you're 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 going to leave a guy deep. That's going to help the run game. You're not going to be able to bracket. That helps the tight end. You're not going to be able to roll coverage every play. That's going to help the opposite side of the field. So, yeah, I mean you you just have all kinds of options now that I don't think you had. And and people talk about Miles Price as a speed guy. He's he's a Twitch, he's a Twitch athlete. I think Draymond Bradley got behind Oklahoma at the end of the season. I do think he has that potential. And then as you said, Luke Fungi, but None of them are absolute burners like Dre McRae is. And there's just, a, it's a different speed.
0: For sure. And the eye candy that we know Kitley loves, the motion, the strange formations. If you've got a guy as fast, elusive, explosive as Dre McRae, who is uh, featured in that eye candy, well, that gives defenses pre snap a lot to think about. And I mean, you could just be dressing up some really simple concepts and getting other good players open easily just by making the defense think extra long and hard about a guy like Dre McRae. So he's a piece that I just think you didn't have last year. Um, it's like a nice topping on a burger or a Sunday that just takes it to another level. So I'm excited to see how Kitley uses him. Another thing that I'm I'm trying to compile exact stats on this, your screen game was horrible last year you could not draw up a successful screen pass and I'm not talking like just the quick uh, like the bubble screen I'm talking about like trying to suck in the blitz and then get your offensive lineman blocking downfield if you can figure that out and put the ball in his hands on a screen like a jailbreak and he's got three hog downfield blocking for him that could be really dangerous so I think hopefully uh, I know that Kelly can find a lot of ways to use them. And if they can execute it, it could be something really special.
2: Yeah. I mean, he really could be an assassin for you. Let's see. All right, let's get to the mailbag. Discord mailbag brought to you by Diversified Lenders. Turn your accounts receivable into cash. If you could eat a Frito fresh off the line, would you? Yeah. What, What other food would you like to eat fresh off the line?
0: Have you ever had a Krispy Kreme donut, a glazed donut, like fresh off the conveyor belt there? Yeah, the
2: sign is on, I have.
0: Yeah, that's pretty elite.
2: I'm not a a huge Krispy Kreme. I I prefer other donuts. But fresh, they are quite a bit different. Melt in your mouth. I don't know what else I would... I mean, a a fresh Frito, um, I would try it. I don't know that it would be much different than uh, a Frito out of the bag.
0: Hey, just real quick, I was thinking about this earlier when we were when I mentioned Alabama. Who's your national title favorite and why Georgia?
2: Well, you know, I tried to put Georgia down last year. You know, um, I don't know who it is this year. I'll have to I'll have to do some research. I obviously yeah. Georgia is a good one.
0: I just wanted to say why Georgia. I know. i I
2: caught on pretty early what you were doing
0: (laughs) i'm honestly a little bit impressed um i wonder i guess others will now but um do you like flavored fritos like do you like their um, chili cheese flavor like the honey barbecue flavor
2: yeah i like the twist the honey barbecue twist chili cheese are really good
0: i like both of those better than regular fritos I, i actually only eat regular fritos if it's the scoop and i'm eating chili yes I wouldn't just eat a Frito with like a sandwich or something. No. Unless Um, it's a flavor. Maybe a bean
2: bean dip every once in a while with a
0: scoop. Sure.
2: Do you you ever eat the taco stack, the Mexican stack up? It's basically just like a a nacho bar. We did that growing up quite a bit.
0: I think so. We did. Or some variation of that. Yeah,
2: you do the base of the Frito scoops underneath all that goodness. It's really good. Yeah.
0: It goes back to the Jim Gaffigan bit about Mexican food. Yeah. It's a tortilla with meat and cheese on it.
2: Yeah. All the same thing.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, thoughts on real grass versus turf?
0: Like for a football stadium, I'm assuming?
2: It says for both football and baseball. I'm assuming they hate the turf at the, the law.
0: So uh, my preference in an ideal world is natural grass, but it takes so much maintenance and you have to do it right. Like I, I played on natural grass in high school that was not – you know professionally maintained and it was brutal like it was hard it was like getting tackled on concrete but there are some schools that have beautiful natural grass fields turf is like kind of the easy way out it's like the gas grilling of of uh, football stadiums which you know it's fine it's it's solid it, it looks clean less maintenance but if you can if you can get natural grass right i think that's the way to go but it, it is difficult
1: I
2: agree with Mr. Root here. Uh, don't really care about football, what you're playing on. I think turf is excelled in a way that... Now, if you ask athletes, they probably prefer grass because of uh, injuries. Uh, but I do prefer grass for baseball. I would rather have a natural grass field for baseball. Me too. And real dirt. Start bench cut, McGasland, McCashland, Mid-Casland. Mild Casland. Mid-Caslin, I think is what they're trying to do. So I'd cut mid-Caslin because it's negative.
0: Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm starting gas because I... Um. Yeah, apparently the youth say gas if something is, like, cool or good, and so... Yeah. I like that.
2: We're trying to gas them up.
0: Right. Big Fill hint
2: her so, up. Big hints so, <laughs> Such a nerd. What? Uh Big Hen says will you teach me to football? I think Big Hen knows more about football than we do.
0: That's that's actually a movie reference from The Longest Yard. Oh, okay.
2: I get it now. Canicorn. I,
0: I think it's The Longest Yard.
2: Will you teach me to football? Yeah, it's the He broke it in my nose. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. That
0: guy. can Canicorn. Can corn and I'll be fine.
2: Uh Canicorn Die-Coke.
0: There's a Big 12 reference in that movie. Do you know what it is?
2: Uh, somebody played there. They, uh, Paul, uh, hold on. Paul crew. Crew.
0: Uh, it's, it's the fat guy who who says can of corn. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I played at Kansas state. He goes, he goes, are you shitting me? You played for Bill Snyder. He goes, no, Kansas state penitentiary.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: I don't remember that part, but, uh, best unis from the incoming schools overall and or single uniform.
0: I love BYU's old blue. That's a really clean look. Agreed. Um, of course, I'm I'm partial to Cincinnati when they do red and black ride. They've got cool helmets. I, I kind of wish Tech would go back to the no stripe. They just do the solid black with the Bearcat C logo. Agreed. Um, so I really like their solid black helmets. Um, like I said, I was rewatching Houston, and I like their helmets. They do red helmets the right way as well. Agreed. And it helps that they use a white logo, which if Tech would use a white double T or a black double T on their red helmets, it would look better. Um, UCF, I don't know. I think they're more kind of new school. They get a little too creative for their own good sometimes. Yeah. I do like their their Citronaut themed throwback. I think that's cool, yeah. but I'm a sucker for any throwback. So
2: I think I agree with your assessment there. Uh, Which newly added Big 12 team will have the best record this season? Which new addition will have the most success over the next five years?
0: I think, do we agree it's probably BYU or UCF this year?
2: Yes. Coaching change at Cincinnati. Um, Houston just did not look very good last year. Probably, uh, well, you know, BYU finished stronger than they started. Um, Or well, they had a middle kind of, that was tough. I think, I would say UCF. I would say UCF has the most success year one.
0: I think it's either BYU or UCF. I'm kind of dodging that. But I I don't think it'll be Cincinnati. Like you said, first year head coach. Kind of a rebuilding deal. And yeah, I just have not been impressed with Houston. Like they've, they've lost to Texas Tech twice. When Tech was a middle to sixth or seventh place type team in the big 12. And so uh, unless they make a big leap, which I don't think they've got, you know, they're losing tank Dell or losing Clayton tune. I don't think they got some huge infusion of talent in the transfer portal. I could be wrong there. I I just don't remember seeing that. Um, so yeah, I will put BYU and UCF as most likely. And I think that's probably my answer long-term as well. Um, BYU feels like they're already a power five program. Like they're the, Most suited to hit the ground running, and I think they could capitalize on that. And UCF feels like a penny stock that could explode, and like they might have a higher ceiling than almost anyone in some respect. Now, the likelihood that they'll reach that ceiling could be debated, but you know, I I could live in a world where they out recruit everybody because they're in Orlando, Florida, and you know, their fan base keeps growing, and it's a tough environment for everybody else to play in because they've got to travel halfway across the country. So I, I don't know. I, I could see them again. I don't know if that's most likely, but I would put them in BYU for, for that answer as well in terms of the long-term success.
2: I would put BYU uh, with the edge in the, in the five-year window. Why is Kyle afraid to fight a bear on the Wyoming
0: trip? Yeah, that's fake news. I think the bears are afraid to fight me. Do you know of a bear that has volunteered to fight me? No. So you tell me how that, shaken out
2: have you did you watch cocaine bear yet
0: you say yet uh no <laughs> <laughs> that implies that, like it's a certainty I, that I will watch it
2: I was not going to uh but I got asked to go and um it was, a, it was a good time Ray Liotta's in it I know you like Ray Liotta do you know do you could you name a Ray Liotta movie
0: um I know who that is but could I name a movie? Um he's in the tequila commercials.
2: Okay. Good, <laughs> but could I good name a movie? Good fellas would have worked. Uh, good fellas?
0: Is it Goodfellas? Yeah.
2: Ever since um, I can remember. In, I He's in to the be league.
0: He's uh, he's Ruxon's boss, Mr. Hootabaga.
2: Is he really? I don't think I got yeah. that far. <laughs> yeah. Uh elite offense, elite defense or elite special teams, start bench cut?
0: Start defense, bench offense, cut special teams.
2: Uh, are you required to call someone B-Rad if their name is Brad?
0: Nope.
2: Let's say you're probably encouraged not to.
0: The only B acronym I use is for our friends over at Barnett, Howard, and Williams, which can be found at bhwlawfirm.com. Anytime I give them a shout out on Twitter, it's bhwlawfirm. Uh, they handle all sorts of Law should you ever need them? They hope you never do, but you've got somebody solid in your corner. They are one of the only law firms in the state of Texas certified for Title IX student litigation. They do family law, criminal defense, catastrophic injury, maybe you got hurt on the job. They can do it all. So hit up our friends over at Barnett, Howard and Williams bhwlawfirm.com. The B is for Barnett, not Brad, and I would not call anybody named Brad Brad.
2: That's one of those nicknames where you're trying to poke fun at somebody and it's like, what's up, B-Rad? Also, yeah. all of those guys, tech grads, double tech grads, you could say they're born and raised. That's right. What is McGaslin's floor and ceiling?
0: Um, Did you see that? No. Good. <laughs> what um, would you do? Was, what? What was that? I was like pumping the gas. Oh, kinda. gotcha. I don't need to can stop. Um, okay, Coach Gas. I think his floor – I think his floor is kind of like what we saw this year. Yeah. But it, it, it would look a little different. You'd be like rock fight defense. Nobody would like playing you. No, here, here's his floor. Iowa State football from 2022. Like, they might be close. It'll suck to play them. They'll hold you to very few points on the defensive end of the floor. But they just don't win. I think that's his floor. Ceiling is like Iowa State's defense last year with um, a very competent offense, maybe 2019 Texas Tech basketball. You know The defense gets remembered from that year, but I think the offense was not elite by any stretch, but they were very good. Like A lot of teams would have liked to have an offense as good as Matt Mooney, Brandon Francis, Jared Culver, all those guys. So if you compare some scores and score that efficiently while also being elite on the defensive end, uh, I think the roof is the ceiling.
2: I think the ceiling is the roof. Sure. Start, bench, cut, these insults. Fool, clown, or bozo?
1: Ooh.
0: It's definitely between clown and bozo. I think clown may be a little bit overused, so I'll start bozo, bench, clown, cut, fool.
2: And You kind of have to be smart enough to understand that bozo is a clown. Yeah. Start bench-cut these cranes. I think I'd go Bozo first. I can't hardly say the word fool. It sounds weird.
0: Do you pity the fool? Pity the fool.
2: Uh, cranes at Tech Football Facility over the last 15 years. Uh, south End Zone Crane, the Sports Performance Center Crane, or the east Side Expansion Crane. Sorry, repeat? Uh, We're we'll start bench-cutting the cranes around the football stadium this last 15 years, the South end zone, the sports performance or the East side. I would start the sports performance or the South end zone crane because of the nifty double T they have on it.
0: Yeah. There's some recency bias there and it's going to tie into the, uh, practice facility, I think, or pretty close to it. So I'm sorting that one. I guess I'm cutting the East side. I mean, it's a nice addition, but I, I think the facilities need to be more focused on players and coaches than fans at least if you want to gain some kind of recruiting advantage from it so that would be like the lowest on my priority list.
2: Um the <laughs> you're not going to answer this and I guess I might be able to um start bench cut southeast asian food. Thai, Laotian or Vietnamese. Have you had yeah, any there- of these? No, go ahead. I would start Thai food and bench Vietnamese food.
0: I've, I've had Thai food once and didn't care for it. What'd you get? Yeah, that's right. I probably ordered the wrong deal. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was called. Pad Thai? That's the popular one. No, it wasn't that, and it wasn't anything with curry. Um, I can't remember what it was called. But I would I would just need to try something different. I'm not like ruling it out, but Is it Pad Sue? Was it no. noodles? Yeah, it was. Some, I think it was some kind of beef and noodles dish. Um, I just, it, it was really. I didn't like the like the flavor of it. Um, like whatever seasoning or spices, I didn't care for. I would, I would try something different next time.
2: Final question: Thoughts on crunchy peanut butter? Speaking of Thai food,
0: no, I would start creamy bench crunchy.
2: Okay, uh, peanut butter start bench cut the mixed with jelly. Crunchy or creamy
0: bench mixed with jelly and cut crunchy.
2: Yeah. I would cut the mixed with, I don't, I don't do that. The, the it kind of, right of depends on what
0: I'm eating the peanut butter on. I don't want a peanut butter sandwich with crunchy peanut butter, but that might be good on, I don't know, like a, I don't know.
2: I like the texture every once in a while.
0: Yeah. You ever put a yeah, scoop it would have of, to match the texture of what I'm eating it on.
2: You ever put a scoop of peanut butter in your ramen? No. That's a little Thai influence for you. Peanut sauce. All right, that's all I got, Kyle. Final thoughts, and then we can go talk some TCU baseball?
1: Yeah,
0: we're going to do a preview with the post-game beers podcast, bunch of TCU guys. This will be available on Patreon only, so if you're not subscribed to our Patreon, we do some – uh, private interviews, private episodes over there. You get access to the number one Texas Tech Discord server in the world. It's a lot of fun. So patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. It's $5 a month. Very minimal barrier for entry there. Would love to see you become a parlay picador. That's what our Patreon subscribers are called. So, uh, yeah, that's my final thought. I'm ready to go talk baseball. Love y'all.